Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast, where we talk about Blizzard Entertainment and its many games. I'm the host, Matt, and with me is my fantastic co-host, Ann Stickney. Ann, you been doing anything interesting game-wise? Um, well, okay, World of Warcraft, not so much, because, again, I'm still on the eternal slog to get that stupid music box, and it's just not working. But I got a Switch. I got a present, and it was a Switch. So um, I've been playing a lot of Pokemon. <laughs> I'm going to have to get, like, another game for the Switch at some point. I don't know what uh, I'm going to get, though. I'm going to tell you right now, um, either Mario, Super Mario Odyssey, or uh, Breath of the Wild seem to be the two most popular Switch games. I thought about Breath of the Wild, because that would be interesting, but then I also, um, it's expensive, and I don't exactly have, like, a ton of cash to be flinging at video games at the moment, so... Um, my other alternative was maybe Stardew Valley because it's like $15 and yeah, uh, quite that's... like that one. <laughs> my wife got that for her phone and likes it. So I'm sure you could get some, some, some fun playing it on the switch. Well, I've been playing I just... it. I, I played it on the PC before and then I just sort of like fell out of playing it. But now I'm kind of like, Oh, you know, that sounds I... like fun. Relaxing. I feel fun. like. I feel like since we do talk about Blizzard, I should probably throw a plug in for Diablo 3 on the Switch because they have a Diablo 3 on yeah, the Switch. Yeah, I actually, I thought but, about getting that too, but again, kind of expensive. So it's like, mm. I also, I find myself wondering, like people are like, yeah, now you can play it on the go. I'm like, I don't want to play Diablo on the go. You don't know what I get like when I play Diablo. I don't want to be sitting on the train going, like, <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> What's happening to that man? What are those noises? <laughs> yeah, it's like seriously. I, I, I should we call somebody? He's like looking at that device and kind of twitching constantly. Well, anyway, son of a 
if we have any any listeners who are experts on the Nintendo Switch or whatever, I am now taking game recommendations, preferably stuff that isn't that expensive. I prefer RPGs and games that are cute and relaxing, which is why I like Pokemon and why I like Stardew Valley and Animal Crossing. When it comes out, I'm so excited. Anyway, uh, we should right. talk about uh, well, stuff um, that isn't Before we do talk about stuff, I'm going to talk about... Uh, Wow, classic! Because I've been playing the heck out of that, and yes, wow, um, guys, uh, I don't know. Is there a word for a gameplay experience that is simultaneously one of the worst things you've ever done to yourself, and yet you can't stop? Because that's how I feel about Wow Classic. It, it it hurts. Like it actually hurts. There are times when I go, I I I'm, I'm going to tell a specific quest story. I get a quest to go up to the Cliff Spring River, and uh, go into a cave up there. Oh, and no. then after I run in, I go into the cave. I fight my way through all the naga in the cave. I get mushrooms out of the cave. I come back, hand it in. The guy he tells me I should go talk to somebody else who's a leader in the community. So I go over to him, and he's like, you should go up to the Cliff Spring River. Yep. And and I'm just sitting there staring. I'm like, why the F did I – couldn't you have told me to go up to the Cliff Spring River when I was going up to the Cliff Spring? No. Nope. This kind of thing happens all the time. In fact, that should just be called the Dark Shore experience. I hope you like running from one end of this zone to the other. Like, you go down, go all the way down to the Grove of the Ancients to talk to Oru. I need you to go all the way up to the top of the zone and go to it and get me relics of Mythistra. I was just up I, there. By the way, flight paths were not like. No, there's a not thing. a single flight path in Dark Shore. <laughs> there's, the only flight point there's is. There's the like, one in, in Aberdeen. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's the only one. It's the one that gets you. There, there are some cool things about it. Like the, the, there's the, the, the dock is there, so you can take a boat over to Menethil. That's, that's still there. In fact, it's much, much better than I think it is on live. But, um, yeah. So, I've been, but I've been playing the heck out of it. I've been really enjoying it. At the same time, that it drives me insane. Like it, it seriously is like the, the video game equivalent of a, of a broken tooth. Like you ever had a bad tooth and you can't leave it alone? You're supposed to leave it alone. You're, you're going to go see your dentist in a couple of days. In the meantime, try not to mess around with that tooth, but you don't. You just mess around with that tooth constantly. You're constantly sticking your tongue in it. That's me in this game. I'm like level 20, and I got to level 20 through sheer rage, I think, you know. And it, it's, <laughs> this is something my wife said all those years ago. When we first played WoW, she said this to me, and it's still true. The original warrior design is Blizzard doing an amazing job of making you, the player, feel what it would be like to be that angry all the time because i am if one mob adds i know i'm gonna die if i'm a paladin i could bubble or heal myself or a priest same deal warlock i'd have like three pets you know all that various stuff but warrior you know you're gonna die yeah i'm gonna have three pets at level 20 as a warlock yeah whatever they always have something everybody has something playing a warrior playing a warrior at this point feels like i'm playing the game with like one hand tied behind my back on my character not me personally Okay, I have to say, I have to interject. I have to interject, and I do have to say that playing a priest, not easy, unless you're a shadow priest, in which case, have fun being ridiculously OP, um, especially if you're a forsaken shadow priest, because devouring plague is so overpowered. Everybody go play a forsaken shadow priest. Seriously, that's my recommendation. If you want to feel what it's like to be ridiculously overpowered for everything that you do, go play that. Um, I don't think but anybody at the level. Druids were still level, like painful at that point, too. You know. Well, I, I do think let's let's to be fair. I don't think anybody between the levels of ten and thirty is actually feeling all that strong because 
everything runs away. It's always something that's going to aggro. It's always going to bring the stuff on top of you. It's always going to be three or four or more of them, and nobody has the proper mechanics to deal with it. Like no, everything that not was designed. At that point, no. So yeah, and yet I'm still playing this. I actually even wrote a post for the site about why, because I've been thinking about why. Um, but yeah, it's I've been playing that. I've been playing. I played regular Battle for Azeroth today. I've been playing a ton of Diablo three. Uh, I love Diablo three right now. It's is one of my favorite games. Uh, so yeah, I. There, there's my my big three this for this. See, past I'm week. still not in the beta for Classic. I, I I signed up for it, but yeah, I haven't gotten that fateful email yet, so I have not been sucked into that world as of yet. I thankfully. almost, I'm almost glad for you because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I don't, I don't have a reason for why I'm still doing this. Um, and the beta community is already pretty well established. Like, there's oh, yeah. stuff on the auction house. Like I, I went into the AH and there is stuff there and I had to make myself not buy it. I was like, no, no, you need that gold. You must save gold. Uh, you must in fact do nothing but generate gold as much as you can because you're going to need like 80 gold to, to get a mount. It's At like, level 40, if you're lucky, yeah. if you're lucky. Well, it's like, it's 20 gold without the discount. Uh-huh. So it's, it's 12, 12 gold just to train riding skill. And then it's like, it's like 72 gold again with the discount to buy the mount that's your that's the mount you buy it costs you 72 gold per mount yeah and you can only get your mount you can only get like you you can't until get... you until you get exalted you can't get anything from and anybody good luck else. getting exalted because get... that's not going to happen easy <laughs> no it's you you'll basically have to go back to all the starting zones and do all the quests for everybody it, because there's nothing there's nothing except that and runecloth turn-ins to get reputation. Yeah, and I don't think that there's going to be runecloth turn-ins initially, is there? No, the quartermaster's there. Are they? they are okay. There. Okay, I wasn't sure. Yeah. Um, I know that for me, oh, I turned in so much runecloth on both of my first level 60 characters cuz my um my night elf got a horse. That was her first mount, was a horse. And then my Forsaken Shadow Priest, I got her a raptor because I really liked the raptors and I thought they were cool. Um, And that was her first mount. However, it was much, much easier to get exalted when the AQ40 event was going on because you could turn in bandages. And when you turned in bandages, oh, oh, it was light years. It was light years ahead of the Runecloth. (laughs) The Runecloth turn in is not good rep. It just straight up isn't. But yeah, um, there's a reason that war humans were so incredibly popular back in vanilla. Yeah. Um, every, every man for himself was not every man for himself. Sorry. The, uh, the, the diplomacy ratio, which is just called diplomacy was unbelievably good back then. But yeah, uh, we should do some stories, the top variety talking about stuff going on in the wild world of blizzard and all that. Um, I think the first one we're going to talk about is an interesting thing that coming up on patch 8.2 uh, in patch 8.2. If you guys don't remember them, uh, the the giant Tyrannosaur Undasta, who was a world boss, and the the Throne of Thunder boss Haradon, who's a big Triceratops looking direhorn, they're called, um, Devil Sword and Direhorn, are now tameable. You can go back and tame these bosses. In eight point two, you can't do it yeah, right now. In eight point two, yeah, in eight point two. I um, I have feelings about this. I feel bad for anyone who wants Undasta because he's yeah. a world boss, so getting him is going to be a nightmare. Undasta is basically, I, I'm still farming Undasta because Undasta drops them out. Um, 
So that's what you have to contend with if you want to farm Undasta. Since he is a world boss and he's out in the world and he drops a mount, that means that players are going to be there and attacking him every time he's up. And yes, he does spawn fairly frequently. Like, I think it's every 15-20 minutes or something. It's not... It doesn't take him long to spawn, but once he spawns, he's dead in like five seconds. Yeah, That's people how long are it takes me to kill him, and I am still farming yeah. him every week. People are literally sitting there waiting for him, and they will be there all day. Like new, new people will be coming in. It, yeah, it's going to be a nightmare. So Horadon is the one most people are likely to get. Yeah, um, if you're a hunter, getting Horadon will be as easy as going in and doing it. Um, I'm not sure if you can. I don't know if you can tame him before the war god falls off. I kind of hope you can, because that'd be hilarious if you tame him and then War God's just sitting there going, what happened? Uh, but, yeah. I I don't know. I don't know what the exact mechanics are. I do know that with Undasta, Undasta, he, he is considered exotic, so you can only get him if you're a Beast Mastery Hunter. But, again... Well, he's a Devil Sword. I think, in fact, both Dire Sword... I think Dire Horns are the same. You need a need to be beast mastery to tame them too. I don't think you do for Horridon. I think with Horridon you just have to like have the Wasn't there a book? Yeah, there's the ancient tome of dinomancy that you have to get and then you can tame dinosaurs. But because Undasta is a devil sore, he's considered exotic, so you have to be beast mastery to get him. Yeah, same as Thok. Um if you if you tame Thok, it should be roughly equivalent. They are similar models yeah. and some but Undasta has the cool Zandalari helmet, whereas uh Thok has a big spiky thing on his head. So, okay, but Thok is a really cool team anyway, and I do have him on my hunter. <laughs> they're, they're both cool. Um, I kind of feel like it's interesting that they're making more and more stuff tameable, but they're not giving us more stable slots or letting you tame more stuff. You know what I mean? Like, so that's the one thing that's kind have of to, like, yeah. yeah, that's the one thing that's kind of annoying. And I think I want to say that Deb mentioned it in the article that she wrote about it was that we're getting all this cool new stuff to tame, but we still got the same number of stable slots as before. So if we want to tame the cool new stuff, we have to get rid of a beloved pet. And the thing is, is like, I mean, yes, it's all pixels on a screen or whatever, but when you're a hunter and you're talking about pets, it's not like ditching a weapon or something like that or trading in a piece of armor for something better. It's, this is your little buddy pal that you've been fighting with forever and you don't want to abandon him. You know what I mean? There's just people like, going to, there's yeah, a weird sort of, yeah, there's a weird sort of um, attachment thing going on there that you don't get. And I have been living with a hunter since World of Warcraft existed, okay? You do not want to tell a hunter that they can't keep their friend because they're out of stable slots. Yeah. Uh, hunters will do things like, hunters will do things like tame a pet and then when told okay we're going to make it so you can't keep this pet they will they will come up with strategies like oh i'll just get myself killed repeatedly in pdp and that'll then i can keep my pet they they will come up with a way they're they're nuts so and i mean that in the nicest way possible but yeah this is something that's very important to hunters so i do think that it i would know just that be this... nice i'm just saying it would be not and you don't have to give us like you know a ton more just give us like you know another 10 slots or something like that that'd be great Open it up a little more so we don't, you know, so we can pick and choose what we want to go get. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I think that they, the stable slots need to come up for something like this. But yeah, that's 8.2. Uh, but... And the thing is, is like, I doubt that these are the only new things that we're going to be able to tame. Because I believe that uh, Jeremy Faisal was asking on Twitter, like, what things do you guys want to tame that you've never tamed before? 
and people were suggesting things. So this might not be the only, there might be more options out there that just haven't been discovered on the PTR just yet. Yeah, there, there might be something in uh, Mechagon or, or Nasjatar for that matter. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but okay, we're talking about that. Um, this one was interesting. This was one that Liz actually showed me and that I went and listened to. Uh, the Sawbones podcast, which is a McElroy podcast. It's McElroy. A, yeah. yeah. I can't names, but I was, uh, I believe it's, oh, bloody, I can't remember which one of them it is now. I knew who it was. I wrote the article. What? Oh, the Sawbones? That's Justin. Yeah, Justin okay, and his wife, Justin Sydney. Justin and his wife, who's a doctor. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Sydney. Sawbones uh, is a really cool podcast anyway, just because they talk about like all kinds of like old medical stuff and this, that, the, it's just, a, it's a really fascinating show to listen to. Um, but this one, they talked about the corrupted blood plague and how it actually affected real world medicine. If you don't remember corrupted blood, you, you were there for it. You want to talk about corrupted blood? <laughs> Tell them what it was. Okay. So corrupted blood was this thing that happened when Zolgarub first came out. When Zolgarub came out, um, everybody went into it. They went to go raid it. It was really, really cool and everything. The final boss, Hakar, he had this ability called Corrupted Blood that he would afflict everybody in the raid with. And then the trick with Hakar was you got the Corrupted Blood and then he would siphon the Corrupted Blood off of you and it would like harm him. And that's how you eventually killed him. Once he died, the plague went away. Except people realized that he would also cast Corrupted Blood on Hunter's pets and Warlock demons. And if you dismissed those pets or demons, that plague would stay on them even after you left the raid. So if you took said Hunter pet to some place with, oh, I don't know, NPCs or things that were like not killable, like say, I don't know, auction house people, and you put the pet next to them, that auction house person would suddenly be a carrier for the corrupted blood plague and anybody that got too close to them would also be inflicted with the corrupted blood plague and you could not dispel it you could not remove it it just stayed there persistently for higher level characters that had like heels and things like that they were kind of okay but it was a consistent state of being damaged for low level players like oh i don't know the players that are usually in a capital city visiting the auction house vendor or the bank or the wherever they would die like immediately so yeah, it, it did like 2000 damage instantly it, it was crazy so if you were if you were like level 40 or below you just died so all i remember and i remember this very vividly i logged on one day and the first thing I saw, the first thing anyone said in Guild Jet was, don't go to Iron Forge. And I said, why? And they said, because you will die. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And they said, there's a plague thing going around and everybody's dying. Don't go to Iron Forge because you, you'll just die. And I was like, okay. Iron Forge was a carpet of skeletons. Now, keep in mind, too, at this point, that there was no auction house in, in Stormwind or in, um, oh my gosh. The yeah, other... the linked Darnassus. Darnassus. The linked auction houses came in patch 1.9, yeah. which this was not. So back then, there wasn't, the only auction house available was in Iron Forge. And everybody went there because that's where you went to go, you know, 
do the auctions, check the auction house, list your auctions, go to the bank, duel out in front of the city, that kind of thing. It was the same thing with Orgrimmar. Orgrimmar was the only city that had an auction house. Um, Undercity didn't have one. Thunderbluff didn't have one. So everybody would go there. That was just your central centralized location. So this corrupted blood thing, how long did it last? Was it like a week? It was a week because they had to actually put in a uh, hot fix that made it the disease. The dis- it wasn't a disease. It was a debuff. It was a shadow debuff. It was debuff. a debuff. Yeah. Made it, yeah. It made it so it wouldn't go on pets. So he just didn't cast it on pets anymore. So pets didn't get it. So you you couldn't do it anymore. It couldn't. It, it literally couldn't leave. Because if it got on you and you died, it went off of you. And it got on you and you killed him, it got off you. So yeah. once the once the the combat started, there was no way for you to actually leave the instance with the plague on you. You couldn't even hearth out with it; it would just go away. If you left somehow, if you managed to hearth out or whatever, the disease went away. It, it just wasn't there. The only way to get it out was on pets. Um, and what's really funny is I, we're telling she's telling the story about this, and I'm thinking about the fact that one of the one of the leaders of the guild I was in at the time, um, an alliance guild, he deliberately let himself die running into Orgrimmar on purpose so that he could summon his pet and send it into the auction house and plague Orgrimmar. Yep. He did it on purpose. People were doing this on purpose, not just accidentally, not just, you know, Oh, Hey, Hey, it's funny. People were doing this on purpose and it was, it was brutal. Um, it shut down Orgrimmar like that. Cause it didn't just get on. Here's the thing. It didn't just get on the auction house people. It got on Sorfang. Uh, it got on like it got on like, everybody, and, and the thing is, is like the auction house people were probably the most dangerous because that's where all the low level people were going, them and then the bankers, and yeah. those guys would not die because they were NPCs, like they couldn't be killed by a debuff like that. It just it wouldn't kill them. So they, so they just were just sitting, sitting there... there persistently, like these persistent <laughs> mortal carriers of this plague. It was fantastic. Yeah. And and the re- the reason that the sawbones people talked about it is because this thing has affected how epidemiology works. Epidemiology talks about one of the things it covers is how people act during disease outbreaks. And they've used corrupted blood as a case study because the way people acted in game are informative of the way people act in real life. They yeah. tr- some people tried to run away and hide. Some people tried to help. Like there were high level, there were high level paladins and shamans and priests and druids who were trying to heal people through it because it, it would go away if you healed someone long enough. Like if you sat there on them and you healed them, it would eventually it would just fall off. It would go away. It didn't have a displayed timer, but it had a timer. It wouldn't last forever because Hakar was reapplying it the whole time. He didn't have, you know, it, he didn't have to worry about it. But out in the world, it would fall off if you survived. But for most people, you couldn't survive it. Um, so there were people who were trying to help. They would they would actually set up little clinics and just tell people, okay, come over here. We're going to do our Mass Effect deals. We're going to try and uh, get everybody. But some people were deliberately spreading it. And not just to hurt their, like, you know, not just like my guild master, guild leader who went over to, to Orgrimmar. There were people who were doing it to their own faction just to see it happen. Like, there was one guy who deliberately ran it out to all the flight masters he could get it to. Yep. Um, just because he thought it was funny. And that way, and then, you, like, you'd, there get were it, people you'd fly who in would... and you'd get it when you flew in. You'd just die when you landed. There were people who would try and avoid it because obviously, you know, they didn't want the character to die or whatever. And then there were people who would deliberately run into 
Ironforge or Orgamar because they wanted to see the skeleton piles because that was fascinating. You know what yeah. I mean? Who's like, wow, I want to go look at that. <laughs> oh, and I might die. Uh, that's okay. I just want to see the skeletons. <laughs> and apparently, I mean, even though obviously in real life, if you die, you you actually die. You don't come back. Still, a lot of the behavior is useful for making the models of how how people react to this kind of thing. And it's 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 affected WoW's design too because I mean, if you look at the uh, the, I believe they called it the zombie invasion uh, when 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 uh, the Wrath of Lich King came out. That was, was modeled. Yeah, that was right, modeled right on before this. Wrath. It was modeled on this, and it was basically like the return of the corrupted blood plague, except it was zombies. And it all started with these like infected crates that were down in Booty Bay um, of like grain, which was just like how things went down in Anderhall way back when, uh, where you had like the infected grain. Um, and it started in Booty Bay, and then the shipments started showing up all over Azeroth because they were getting shipped everywhere. And if you went too close to them, you would catch the plague. You could turn into a zombie, and you could choose to like spread it as much as you could, or you could get cured because there was an option to get cured, get get the whole thing taken off of you, and you could try and figure out a way to fight it. And it was all kind of built around that whole corrupted blood thing. Because despite the fact that it was mass chaos for a week, it's really one of the more memorable moments yeah, <laughs> from I early World of Warcraft. One of the things the podcast mentioned, and it was at the time it was mentioned by people, is that it, it showed that emergent systems would still happen. That you, you know, World of Warcraft was possibly one of the most controlled environments possible, and they still had no. They didn't. This wasn't intended. No. They didn't want this to happen. They'd never expected it to happen, but it did anyway. And that kind of stuff, it, it's illustrative both in medical terms, which is why it was on Sawbones, and in game design terms. Things can still happen that you don't expect, and you can learn lessons from them. And it's really weird. Back in 2017, I just found this out while I was doing research on the for the post, uh, burn from the Sunwell got yeah. out. Yeah. And it got out the same way. It got out on Hunter Pets. Yep, and they were doing the same thing. Except now, of course, Blizzard knows what to do, and they took they took it out like almost it, immediately. Yeah, it didn't last for very long. I remember that somebody noticed that the that the same thing would happen, and this was the burn mechanic from um, oh my gosh, the Pit Lord, what's his name? Brutalis. Brutalis, yeah, okay, or Brutalis, or however you pronounce it. Anyway, he has a burn mechanic that worked the same way, where it would get on a hunter pet or something, and if you dismiss them. When you summon them outside, they still had it on them. However, yeah, it they got rid of it fairly quickly. I remember, like, <laughs> years later, we went and did Sunwell just for funsies. And we decided to run it challenge mode. And challenge mode Sunwell was to keep burn on everybody and keep passing it back and forth and back and forth and kill, um, oh my gosh, it's a K. I keep wanting to say Kael'thas and it's not. Oh, kill ja No, kill Jaden. At the end oh, yeah. of the Sunwell, you had to kill, kill Jaden while everybody still had burnt. And we did it. It was tough. Our healers hated us, but we did it. Yeah. It's also hard because getting it to stay on you that long is difficult. Like, it wants to fall off unless you, like, really mess up. You have to, like, work hard to keep it on you. Well, we were but, just, yeah. like, passing it back and forth from person to person like the Olympic torch. <laughs> It was funny. It was like, oh, look, the bird is about to fall off. Quick, you run over there. Make sure they get it back again. That's what made it challenge mode. It was kind of fun. <laughs> 
you know, okay. that's something that they could do for like Mythic Plus Dungeons. Like, oh, don't give them ideas. But not a debuff, not a debuff, but like a buff that you have to keep going and you have to like pass it from person to person to person and keep it going like through the course of the. Anyway, that's just me. <laughs> Ignore okay. me, unless you're Blizzard, in which case, hey guys, put that in the game. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another thing that happened, uh, I think about yeah, last the, like the past week, um, Jay Allen Brack, who's currently the president of Blizzard, um, but used to be for years he was the uh, the lead designer on World of Warcraft, um, and he did an interview basically because WoW's 15th anniversary is coming up, and he was talking about World of Warcraft, Blizzard as a whole, and various other things. Uh, I wrote it up just mostly because one of the things he said was that. He talked about Argus and how when they when they did Argus, they of course thought, you know, should we be doing this as a patch? Should 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 we, you know, this is a lot of content for a patch, and it's by doing it as a patch means we might never do it as an expansion, and you know, maybe we should do Argus as an expansion. I always they, thought it was going to be its own expansion. Yeah, and he's even said he even said in the interview, it's still something we think about. It's still something we discuss, and that to me is interesting because. There's a lot of stuff that we didn't get or we got as a patch that might have been an expansion. Um, one thing comes to mind off the bat is the original version of Netherstorm, the uh, the Isle of Farallon, which we didn't get in Warlords of Draenor at all. Yeah. It was mentioned, but we didn't get it. We know it's right off the coast there, but we never got to go there. And in fact, there was also the southern continent, you know, that's just, just on the edge of some maps I think of it was supposed to be Ogre Town down there or something. Yeah, but we never got to see that either. I mean, there's more to there's more to Draenor than the continent we went to, and we never got to see any of that. Um, Argus, we got to three, see three zones, and they were big zones, but it's a whole planet. You could do, like, a ton there. A shattered planet, but a whole planet. Yeah. And there's just that idea of getting to see Argus as an actual world. I mean, there's there's a ton you could do there. Just in terms of what, if you look at what we did in in Legion, we basically we didn't finish it. We left it like completely full of demons with the broken there fighting for their lives. We just kind of kicked Sargeras into a box, closed the box, and then ran away. We're like, okay, yeah, you guys can handle it from here, right? The planet's completely infested with demons, and now they don't have anyone telling them what to do. I think that, I think that the impression that I got from the end of Legion was that the they're not broken, but the, they call themselves broken. Yeah, broken. yeah, I guess. Anyway, the ones that were there on Argus and fighting on Argus, the ones that were kind of like snippy with uh, Velen about, yeah, well, you abandoned us and you never came back. So yeah, and there was that brief sort of moment of animosity that was like, ooh, you just want to make him hurt, don't you? Anyway, um, I believe that those guys chose to remain on Argus because that was their home and that was what they had been fighting for and they wanted to finish the job and clean everything up. And Yeah, but at that, that doesn't point, mean it got done. No, it doesn't mean that it got done but at that point, that's why that's why they didn't come with us or anything. It was because Argus was their home and they wanted now that now that the demons weren't just going to keep coming back once they were killed, they could actually clean up the planet. So I think that's what they were working on. Um, and they were really invested in that. So we, we didn't really desert them. It was more, they chose to stay behind because that's where that, that was their home. That's where they've always but, been. 
nevertheless, there's still a ton you could do with it in terms of if they decided to do an Argus expansion, you could absolutely do a whole saving the planet from the demons, figuring out like what those other worlds, because that's the other thing. There were all those invasion points on Argus that led to completely know, different worlds right? we'd never heard of. Yeah. yeah, you could you could make a whole expansion about going to them, seeing what they're like, just besides that, like one little part of them that we went to. There's a ton out there that you could do. And I do I'm, I am kind of heartened that they'd consider it. But also, it's interesting to me, because then if you look at like, how much you got to think to a certain degree, they were thinking when they designed Nazjatar and Mechagon, that these things could be more than just a, a couple of zones in a new patch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and that's one of the interesting things about doing an expansion is now you have to like figure out at what point are you doing so much content that you're not, it's not expand. It's, it's not a patch anymore. It's actually like close to a mini expansion. Cause I'd say that, that the Argus Argus still came across as almost an expansion. And Nashatar. No, I don't is... think it came across as almost an expansion. It was definitely one of the bigger patches they've ever had. Yes. It was a lot of content for the you know end of it's an end of expansion patch. It, it, yeah. it did very much it a kept lot of stuff people was added. busy until Battle for Azeroth was almost out. So like you know there was constantly stuff to do. So I, I do think that's an interesting balance between them. But he talked about a lot of stuff. He talked about this the the Ragnarok statue. He talked about you know them finally doing WoW Classic and how that's going to go. Uh, the fact that they they think very much of WoW Classic as part of wow it's not its own thing it's very much you pay for wow you get wow classic it's just um something that could that you it's an add-on it's not something that would be its own thing that you just pay to do that that's interesting to me um the fact that they he talked about this we've i think we've mentioned a couple times but he talked about them possibly doing uh burning crusade and wrath of lich king if there was enough interest as as yeah. classic type server situation i think i think for me with the argus stuff it for me Argus was like I guess I, I guess the thing that I think he's talking about here is that sometimes when you put things in an expansion you look at it and you go man that could have been an expansion in and of itself did we really do the right thing by just making it a patch or was it something that we should have put to the side and made its own expansion like for me I would have done the Emerald Dream as its own expansion. Like, I, I wouldn't have... I mean, I would have done the whole Emerald Dream, Emerald Nightmare thing as its own expansion. I wouldn't have done it as a zone and a place in Legion. I would have done it as, like, its whole... Because the, the Emerald Dream, the way the Emerald Dream has been expressed is that it's Azeroth, so it's big enough for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in the Emerald Nightmare Raid, obviously in the raid, we got to experience some of these zones and some of these areas in their, like, uncorrupted state. Well, they were corrupted. They were corrupted by the Nightmare. But we got to see kind of what it looked like. But can you imagine a whole world of that? Like, that would be an expansion in and of itself. So it always, to me, it always felt kind of weird that they decided to just, like, put that in expansion Honestly, instead of making it It almost thing. feels like, yeah, it almost feels to me like the Emerald Dream is too big for an expansion. Because you could theoretically do a, something as big as Ancient Kalimdor. Do you, know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it could be that yeah, big. Yeah, and Ancient Kalimdor, for people... Ancient Kalimdor was Pandaria, the Eastern Kingdoms, Kalimdor, and Northrend all stuck together into one into yeah, one massive continent. So, like... And a lot more stuff that's currently on the bottom of the ocean besides. Yeah, 
Yeah, it, it's so, just massive. It's like a massive. But the thing is, is like, I would be down for exploring a, a, a jungle wonderland of greenery. I think that would be really cool. You know. And, you know, there's there's lots of stuff like that that could always be. And should Argus, we do this as an expansion? Should we do it as? I mean, I you know, know that you and but... I, I know that you and I have talked, or we had talked for a while, along with Joe, about how Argus should be like whether Argus was going to be an expansion like the next expansion or what was going to happen with it. And when they said, oh, hey, Argus is going to be a patch, all of us were just kind of like, okay, wow. I really thought that they were going to make that like its own material, but I guess not, you know? So Yeah, yeah. there was definitely some discussion. I mean, I think we talked about it. I don't think Lore Watch was out yet when we we first yeah, it was. talked about it. But I, I, okay, then yeah, it was on Lore Watch we talked about it because I know we talked about it. I remember yeah. us talking about it. Um, Joe was, I think, gotta give Joe credit. I think he's the one that was like, yeah, it's gonna be a patch. I think the rest of us were like, nah, it's gotta be an, an expansion, doesn't it? Yeah. And I, it's interesting to see that, you know, even Blizzard was like, maybe it should have been. Maybe we, maybe we. Well, and we I think that's, I, I think that's what Brack is talking about here, though, is that it's like something that they have to keep looking at because it's, it's a matter of, did we just blow an idea that could have been the, the, you know, the spine, like the cornerstone of an entire expansion, did we just blow that on one content patch, or you know? And I think they've done that before. I'm gonna say up front, I, I still feel this way. I feel like the Timeless Isle was an idea that could have been a lot more than it ended up being. Yeah, um, no, there's a been... lot more there that they could have explored with the Timeless Isle that they did not. Um, and there's there one are... that I actually think they should consider possibly doing an expansion on. There are even like bosses and things like that like I think Garrosh was kind of a missed opportunity yeah I guess his story came full circle and it was kind of interesting like it dovetailed around itself and he went out of this world where he came into this world sort of on a different Negrand and a different time but it was that same spot where we first found him literally the same spot where we first found him it was kind of crazy but then like I still feel like maybe more could have been done with him. And then, of course, I always go back to Fandral Staghelm. I think that they did Staghelm so dirty. And I think that he could have been a really, really interesting, complex villain. But they just threw him into a raid. And, yeah, I'm still I'm still annoyed about that one. <laughs> Honestly, some of, the, some of the stuff involving the Firelands and Ragnaros from Cataclysm... Felt very much like there could have been an Elemental Planes expansion of its own. Oh, yeah. Like, that wasn't the Cataclysm stuff with Deathwing destroying the world and all that stuff could have been one expansion. Then you could have had, you know, somewhere down the line, an Elemental Lords expansion where they're like, okay, well, now he's gone. We're going to break loose and do our own thing. And it felt like they, again, but this is what we're talking about. Do you have a Firelands patch and a Firelands raid? Or do you do a whole expansion based around the four elemental planes? Like both have their strengths and weaknesses. Both I mean, have Cataclysm was kind of designed around the whole elemental plane thing. We got to go to Deep Holm, and we got yeah, to we go... got to go to the we got to go to yeah. two is zones, and we got to go to to two is dungeons. But there was the raid you in the dungeon. Yeah, you could have done one that was you could have taken the two halves of Cataclysm apart and done one that was much more about Azeroth and the effects of Deathwing on Azeroth. Yeah. And then you could have done one about going to the Elemental Planes afterwards and trying to straighten out the mess he made. Yeah. And you could have gotten two expansions out of it. Um, but that's always a thing. You, like, we, you know, and, and I think Brack's point's valid, that you can always... You always have to sit back and think, did we, did we just do too much 
in one patch? Did we just lose too much for what we got? Yeah. It's interesting. Um, but, you know, anyway, the interview's up. You can go read it on VentureBeat, or you can go look at our post on this on, this, on the site and look at what we said about it. Uh, okay, what, what else we got here? Oh, the Gift and Azoth thing. This one's weird. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't have the Gift and Azoth. That thing's gone. I didn't keep that. Um, but, so, Ian, you want to talk about this one? Uh, if you kept the Gift of Nazoth, I did not on live servers. On the PTR, I had it for quite a while, and it never did this. But um, it's apparently whispering at you now. Uh, audible whispers that you can hear in-game. You don't, you don't, there's no text for them. You don't see it come up in your chat window or anything. It's just Nazoth whispering sweetly into your ear about stuff. None of it is really intelligible other than the word Nazoth. Um, and this is on top of like other stuff that's come out. You've seen the other stuff, right? Uh, depends what you mean. Okay, well, there's NPCs that you can interact. Well, there's oh, yeah. NPCs yeah. that popped up now that also have like, if you kept the Eye of Nazoth, you could see other people that have the Eye of Nazoth. And there's like NPCs and things like that. There's there's also like some weird conversation things that go on. Um, there's a citizen in oh, where are they? I want to say. What is that called? The Great Seal. They're in the Great Seal. There's like this um, desperate citizen who keeps talking about how they can feel their teeth behind behind their eyes and they nibble and bite and, and tickle their brain. It sounds very Cho'Gall, what they're saying. <laughs> it's fair. Not, not the, uh, not the uh, sane Cho'Gall head, the one that was always talking back to him. Yeah, that one. Words, words, words. The yes. master wants murder. The master wants murder. Yeah, it sounds like that guy. Um, yeah, gall. Yeah. And then there's also like this little kid out on the docks who says something about, they say that their mom left them to die, but dad put her to sleep or something like that. It's like creepy. And he's just like, the little kid is just out there on the docks walking back and forth. And you don't even notice it unless you have the gift of Nazoth and you walk by and they say something. Um, so yeah, there are there are I mean, obviously people are kind of theorizing what this means and we don't know what that means. We really don't. But if you got rid of the gift of Nazoth, you're not getting any of this stuff. If you kept the gift of Nazoth, you are hearing all of it. So if you ever wanted to hear Darren DePaul whisper sweet nothings into your ear in the most Lovecraftian way imaginable <laughs> Go take your alt, get the gift of Nazoth, don't get rid of it, and you will hear the whispers. It is really weird. Yeah, so that's happening, and that's that's a consequence of that whole thing where they give players choice. So, yeah, that's not something I was expecting when we started this expansion. And it's a really interesting development for World of Warcraft. We've never really had anything like this before. It's bizarre, yeah. All right, well, the last thing to talk about is um, the Overwatch workshop that we've got a post on the site about. Um, I'll be completely upfront, other than the fact that, you know, it'll allow you to design your own content. I don't really know much about Overwatch workshop. Okay, so, so Overwatch Workshop is like, it's basically, you can make various little things to work in Overwatch, um, and it's, you can use it to make different game modes, you can use it to make custom stuff, you can use it, you can basically do, like, make all kinds of games using the Overwatch engine to make things that aren't necessarily Overwatch, Um People have been making all kinds of things. Like they've been making, uh, I think there's like a Flappy Bird clone that's with Farah, and they somebody did Uno. Um, 
when you design stuff for this, you can save it and you can give people the codes so that they can use your designs to make things of their own. So there were five really cool things that came out that Tyler decided to highlight. One of them, it only works on the PTR right now, but it's Overwatch Paint. And you play a Symmetra and you can draw orbs either in the environment or on a wall. So you can like adjust the brush sizes. You, there's like an undo button. You can change like the color of the orbs. You can basically just make art. Um, obviously, number one, it's pretty cool that you can do this because it's like, oh, it's like having a giant light bright. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of. A giant light bright in Overwatch that you could just play with. Um, I, I fully expect that people will start using it to draw terrible, terrible things at some point because that's what happened with that other add-on that we had for World of Warcraft. Um, other stuff that's actually pretty cool is somebody developed a selfie camera that allows you to take selfies with your characters, which is really strange and unusual. Um, the other thing that's actually like really helpful, there are aim practice tools. So if you want to work on your aim whether it's aiming at things that are flying up in the air or just aiming at things in general. Uh, people have come up with custom game modes where you can actually, or with um, workshop models, where you can actually go in and practice your aim and everything else and get better at the game, which I think is pretty cool. The workshop is weird. It's weird, it's different, it's cool, and it's really, really fun. And I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of other weirdness we see come out of it, because I'm sure that this is just the beginning. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, there's one tool that allows people to practice throwing uh, bandits grenades, I think. I thought I saw that. Yeah. Which is interesting. Uh, and the fact that you can do the, 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 the weird MS Paint thing in Overwatch 1 makes me think there's going to be some other ones that are going to be even stranger. Um, there might, at some point, there might be like ones where you, your characters build things. I, you don't know. But it is... <laughs> Overwatch Minecraft, I don't know. Yeah, or yeah, like I was actually thinking like Fallout Four with the, like the settlement building, like, like Overwatch building. You build a settlement in Overwatch, which you can't use or anything, so it's weird. Uh, but yeah, that's just it's pretty cool. But uh, that's pretty much it for top stories. So uh, we've got a little time left. We can do a couple of emails if you don't mind. Uh, and I know you read them for us, but first, uh, if you've got an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch, so we know it's for this show. Uh, and again, they can be on any subject that any Blizzard game, really. Uh, or I guess you could send an email saying how pretty I am. I, I wouldn't mind. But, you know, whatever. Uh, whatever you feel like doing. Um, <laughs> and if you don't mind reading for us. Okay. Uh, first email is from... Wow. I don't know how to pronounce this. It's either Sajik or just Sock of Kazgaroth, who says, Hi, bit of a stretch, but what if it was Azeroth herself that whispered to Vol'jin to choose Sylvanas as the next war chief? What if Azeroth wanted Teldrassil burned? We don't really know what her motivations or capabilities are at this stage. Love your show. Keep up the great work. Sajik. Sock. Uh, I might have thought that was the case before a Wolfheart, but they pretty much established that the tree got cleansed and that the dragon flates returned and gave it some of their blessing. Like, Nosdormu didn't, but Alexstrasza and Ysera did. So, th at this point, the tree was pretty pretty much on good terms with, like, the world. With life and nature Where and animal was it? and all that. Uh, see, I, I feel a lot of this stuff is an, an attempt to deflect. It always feels like people want there to be another reason besides the Horde killed these people. Or Sylvanas killed these people. They always want it to be, ooh, maybe it was a plan. I, it's always my reaction is, mm, I don't know. Maybe. 
Uh, he, he certainly could have been, I guess. Which is interesting to think about is if why Azeroth would want Teldrassil burned. Uh, the, the thing is, is that remember what you said about Fandral? Yes. That's the problem with Teldrassil and indeed much of Fandral's plans. Fandral's plans always involved building a giant tree on something. Like, ooh, there's something evil going on. What about a giant tree if we tried that? Okay. Yeah, I always like the stuff that came out in um, in Chronicle, where it was talking about how there were, like, Serenite deposits all over the place, and Fandral basically went around and planted trees on top of them to yeah. keep them from spreading, which worked, but it also gave the old gods, which they didn't even know about at the time, a beeline right into the Emerald Dream. So basically, Fandral was the one that was responsible for the creation of the Emerald Nightmare. He created that link. And there's that the the tree that got shattered in in uh, Northrend is the one that he made. Oh, that the one in Crown Hills. Yeah, the Crown. Yeah, and, that's the one that. Soul. Yeah, that's the one that actually caused it. That's the one that allowed the you know Yogg-Saron to get a hook into the Emerald Dream. Yeah. Um, it's that tree, and so I mean, it's possible Teldrassil might be over the vault of some old god or another we don't know about, or even one we do know about because we don't actually know where. Uh, where um Nizoth is at. Yeah, I can't I mean can't remember his names today. It's like Nizoth. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I couldn't remember his name, but you know, we don't know where he is. You know, for that matter, he could be like he could be like spreading his tentacles all over the place. We know that um Yogg-Saron's tendrils went all the way across Northrend. Yeah. Like he he had I tendrils. Mean, he, the prison was up there in Ulduar, but like all the way down in the Howling Fjord, there were people being affected by him. Well, like I mean, any place there's Saranite, yeah. Any place there's Saranite, you know that's where his blood's coming up. So there's Saranite everywhere in every zone. So you know he's underneath the whole continent. Um, and people were going crazy, like the Borean Tundra. People were going crazy from him. So yeah, I, I guess maybe could have been. I, 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 you really can't say one way or the other. At this point, we just don't know. I don't think it was Azeroth. I don't think that Azeroth would have... The only, the only thing that I, that I have to say about the issue of Teldrassil is that Teldrassil was a thing that wasn't meant to happen. It wasn't supposed to be. Fandral wasn't supposed to do it. Um, he asked Malfurion about it. Malfurion said, no, I don't think that's such a good idea. And then promptly went to sleep and Fandral did it anyway. While he was keeping Malfurion poisoned and trapped in the Emerald well, the Emerald Nightmare at that point with Marlgrain. So all of this stuff that was going on with Teldrassil and people don't realize exactly how young Teldrassil is because we had the Third War, right? Third War, big tree up on Hyjal, it gets blown up and everything. And then just before World of Warcraft, like in between the end of Warcraft 3 and World of Warcraft, that tree popped up out of nowhere. Teldrassil did. Yep. Teldrassil is about as old as World of Warcraft. It didn't exist uh. prior to that. So there's this giant tree, and what you don't realize is when you're running around on the giant tree with these ancient-looking buildings and everything, no, this thing is about as old. It's maybe a year older than your characters when you've rolled your first character back in vanilla. It's... I still feel like those the, the structures had to have been ruins that they were like on the seafloor. Yeah, they had to have been because no, I figured literally... it was something like that or something that they just brought over later. I I feel like it must have been stuff that was on the on the seafloor when the tree started growing because he, that tree literally grew up out of the out of the the ocean. Ocean, yeah. And if you if you go look at Azure Mist and Blood Mist Isle, there's night elf ruins all over them. Yeah, 
and they're right there. I mean, there. it would make sense. It would make sense because at one point, Kalimdor was one major continent and the Night Elf Empire kind of spanned a gigantic stretch of it. So that, I mean, that makes sense to me. But regardless... Yeah, you know, this is not Teldrassil. The tragedy of Teldrassil isn't that it's a place of ancient, like, you know, it's not an old place. The tragedy is simply that it had, like, thousands of people on it who died. That's, it was basically that's it. where the entirety of Night Elf civilization moved to after everything that went down in the Third War. They built Teldrassil. They took refuge there. They built their capital city there. They established everything there because Fellwood at that point was just done. Um, yeah, and Hydel didn't really Hygel have. was yeah. a, a, a crater. You know, <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't a lot going up on, on up on Hydel or anything like that. So there wasn't there just wasn't opportunity for any of that. So Teldrassil was like that new opportunity. And it wasn't that the tree itself was sacred or anything. It wasn't a sacred tree. It's that the overwhelming majority of the night elf population were on that tree when it went up in flames. So yeah, I don't, yeah, we don't, we, we don't, we don't to this right now. We don't know how many died. We know at least a thousand did because that's how many die when you fail to save them in the quest. Yeah, and, uh, and it's, so. it's. I mean, I don't think that Azeroth is really... I think Azeroth is still like a baby titan and not not grown at all. Um, obviously, when Magni talks to Azeroth, he kind of talks to it as if it's like a child. Um, yeah, and more importantly, it doesn't talk to him in, in strict instructions or whisper no. names. No. It gives him emotions and feelings. It's like he can feel its fear, he can feel its upset, and then he tries to work out what to do from there. So it would it, be it's... weird if Azeroth, you know, decided to just have a chat with Vol'jin. Yeah, I, I don't think that that's something. The only the only possibility where I could maybe see Azeroth not wanting Teldrassil is because Teldrassil is an anomaly that shouldn't have existed. But even then. It's just, I mean, I don't think that that's something that Azeroth would do. I don't. So. I feel like, especially after the Dragonflates came along and said, yeah, okay, we're good with it now. And yeah. and did give it their blessing enough that it, it healed it and no longer had the fell corruption. I feel like that that's enough that it wouldn't, there's no real reason to kill it. Again, in, unless it was growing its roots down into an old god prison. Because they do that. <sighs> Stop <laughs> think... putting trees on gold gods. It's just a bad idea. Come on, guys. Didn't you learn anything from Fandral? You know? Yeah. Anyway. Fandral Staghelm, good war leader, you know, talented druid, obsessed with growing trees on top of problems. I think um, we have time for one more email. Sure. So uh, I'm going to go to the next email here, which has two questions in it. And I'm going to jump to the second question because I think that one's interesting. Um, and this one is from Shad, who's a Blood Elf Palady, pa- Paladin. Palad- Palady? Paladin. On uh, US Hyjal, who says, What are your way too early BlizzCon predictions? We kind of have to get an introduction to the next expansion, not the cinematic, etc., but the new gameplay features, new zone hype, etc., right? Um, and that's from Shad. Uh, I'm going to say, like, BlizzCon predictions, let's, let's not limit it to World of Warcraft. Let's talk about what we expect to see all together. And I'm going to let you go first. Diablo 4. That's right. I'm predicting it. I don't you care. Think, you think this 4. is the year? <laughs> if, if it isn't the year, then they've gone mad. Like, straight up, Diablo 4. I don't care. I don't care if that game is five, ten years away from coming out. Announce it. Announce Diablo 4. Um, we know you're working on something. 
We know you are. Come on, guys. Stop being coy. Diablo 4. Um, that being said, it would be nice to know. Like, at this point, um, if Diablo Immortal doesn't come out before BlizzCon, I will be kind of surprised. I'm, I'm sort of surprised I haven't heard anything about a release date for it. When the uh, game I'm is- not surprised I haven't heard anything about a release date for it. I, I am. I, I feel like it, the, the announcement should have happened by now, but um, but I don't like Starcraft. I don't know if they're doing anything with that IP. Like it feels like they're just going to keep putting out co-op commanders and they're perfectly happy with that being what they do. Uh, Heroes just had their big shakeup. So I don't, I don't know if there's going to, there'll probably be at least um, there'll be an expansion announcement for Hearthstone because they almost always is. They, they seem to almost always have one ready to go for BlizzCon. Um, so that leaves Overwatch and WoW. Um, WoW Classic's coming out in the summer, so that's not going to be their feature. Uh, I, you would think that they'd be doing uh, an expansion announcement. We know they're going to have the 15th anniversary uh, Collector's Edition release. That's going to be right around the time of BlizzCon, so that'll probably get mentioned. But I do agree with you, uh, Chad, that they probably will talk about the next expansion in some form. I feel like they have to, but I'm done. You? Here, here's what I'm wondering. Um, I know you said Diablo 4, and I know that you're like, yeah, Diablo 4, they have to say something about it now, don't they? They, they, they. I'm wondering because, let's see, in two weeks? I think it's two weeks. E3 rolls in in two weeks. Activision is going to be there because Activision is always there. I don't know if Activision Blizzard is going to be there or not, but I'm wondering because we aren't getting Gamescom this year. Like, they aren't going to be at Gamescom this year if they're going to be at E3 and say anything at E3. Because the thing is, is like the rumors that were swirling around with last year's BlizzCon, everybody was talking about the fact that Diablo 4 was supposed to be announced, but then they said last minute, no, 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 we can't do that. Not yet. It's not ready or whatever. Um, and backed off and did Diablo Immortal instead. Um, and whether or not there's any truth to that statement, I don't know. I don't work for Blizzard. Um, so this is all just conjecture. But if it was that close to being announced at last year's BlizzCon, then would they, in theory, drop that announcement? Just like a teaser. Like a teaser. Little, little teaser at E3. What do you think? See, in years past, I would have said no. Mm-hmm. But you're right about them not doing Gamescom this year. And Gamescom is usually when they were they were doing the right? Sucker Punch announcement. Right. So... I don't know. I mean, it depends on I'm just if, saying if that when E3 I'm comes out, be... we hear about them having any sort of presence at the Activision panel. Right. Basically. And I'm just saying that I'm going to be keeping an eye on the E3 panels and stuff a lot closer this year. I mean, not just the Nintendo stuff where they better talk about Animal Crossing for the Switch because so help me. Anyway. That's a BlizzCon announcement. <laughs> they're going to announce Animal Crossing. No, no. Uh, but as far as like stuff that's going to come out for BlizzCon, okay, I know that we can expect the usual in terms of probably either a new Overwatch map or hero, but it's typically been a hero, so I'm sure we're going to get another hero. Um, Hearthstone, they'll probably announce what the new year is going to be and maybe a new adventure or something like that because they seem to do that every year too, don't they? Pretty much, yeah. If we do not hear about Diablo 4 at E3... I expect to hear it at BlizzCon. And then World of Warcraft, I don't think that they're going to go into too much detail with... Actually, I don't know. It depends on how far we are. Because we're going to be pretty far into Nazitar and everything, and I don't know if 
what we get with Nazatar and um, Ashara's Eternal Palace, if that's the last raid of the expansion or not. I don't think it is. I think we're going to get more material after that. And I think we might hear about that a little bit at BlizzCon. But I also think that we might get information about the next expansion as far as what it's going to be. Um, and I don't I don't know about you. Do you have any predictions for that? What you think it's going to be? No, because I don't even know how this expansion is going to end. Um, I actually wrote something today that I don't know when, if it'll get run for a while or when it will get run. But one of the things that the points I made was you can't do with a MMO what you can do with a book. Like if a book is making you nervous or uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you can read it faster. You can you basically can flip power through it. A couple it. of chapters and make sure everybody's or, okay. Or even just run, you know, just sit down all night and just read the thing. I'm going to just binge this. You yeah. do that with Netflix. Netflix, just put the, the new season up. You just watch the whole freaking season. You just stay there watching it until you watch the whole thing. With the movie, I want to get to the end of this movie. You just sit there and you watch it. With an MMO, this stuff isn't going to conclude for months. Yeah. And I am in a place with this expansion where I am outright uncomfortable. Like, I don't mean it's bad. I'm not at all saying it's bad, but I'm uncomfortable. I do not know what's going on. I do not know where they're going to go. I feel like I see some trends and there's certain things that could happen, but I'll just say it. I'm terrified they're going to kill Bane on me. Mm. I'm absolutely terrified they're going to kill Bane on me. They keep like, they keep dangling him over fires. It's like, would you please stop putting Bane in fire? No, stop it. It's Bane. I don't want him to die. Um, And so I do feel like this expansion could end in a way I don't see coming. And then what would that mean for the next expansion? I mean, and if if certain things happened and Sylvanas effectively became the Lich Queen, that's a completely different ending than she comes to her senses and the Horde, you know, makes nice again. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's lots of different ways this could go. And they would they would directly color what the next expansion would be because you can't you can't go off to have your outer space adventures on Argus and other planets if Azeroth is on fire. You know, there's if the old gods are literally tapering everywhere on the planet, it's like you know we kind of have to deal with cleaning this up. So yeah, we're not we're not going to we're not going to Zoroth and even waiting for that one. You know, since the Warlock uh, Mount Quest, but nope, not doing it. We're gonna have to clean up this. That's that's why I don't have any predictions for that. I feel like, and this is my way out of left field, but not really out of left field, but this is me months and months and months in advance trying to call it. I feel like we're going to get Rebirth of the Black Empire. I feel like everything is about to fall apart and be really crazy, and we're going to get to play through the rebirth of a piece of history that we should never, ever have gone back to. That's what I think. Yeah, that could certainly happen. Does, that's one of with the reasons everything, I'm so... With everything that is going on, I just, I, I feel like I feel like it's likely. Um, and that would be kind of interesting. I mean, it would definitely be different. Um, a lot different. And yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like that's where we're headed. I feel like that's where we're headed. That could change after you know, the PTR goes to live and we've played through like the whole raid and seen everything that's in it and that kind of thing, obviously, but right here, right now, that's where I see it going. That's that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> well, I anyway, guess that's it. 
Yeah, that wraps us up for emails, and that also wraps us up for the show. Uh, Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Anne. Uh, if you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzard watch so we know it's for the show and again they can be on any subject any blizzard game we like talking about all of it guys this has been the blizzard watch podcast uh, thank you guys so much for listening and we'll be back next week hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.